Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Cornerstone Christian Church of God podcast, where we are devoted to bringing restoration and transformation to all. To stay connected and find out more about what God is doing in His church, please visit our website, cccghq.org. Thank you so much, and we hope you are blessed by this message. How to work productively with the traumatized. If you've ever had an experience of caring for a loved one who was going through severe health issues, you understand that it is not just the person that was sick that needs help. Even the caregiver also needs help. And I feel like oftentimes we focus too much on the one that was sick without realizing that the caregiver also needs help. It takes a lot to live with someone who had health issues. And I'm consciously using the past tense as a form of prophecy. It takes a lot to dwell and work with someone who has been traumatized. We're going to look at a few examples, and many of us are working with such people. You expect them to be normal, yet they are not normal. Some of us are reporting to such people within our organizations. And if you're running a business, some of us are serving people that have been through trauma. Imagine being a, 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 a customer service person, being in that, in that kind of a role, and you're taught to smile and, you know, express joy and love to the people coming. And yet you're serving people that have been through trauma. You're smiling at them with all your heart, expecting at least a green back. But nothing is coming back. I mean, that, that is a, a, a very, very minor example. But there are even deeper and deeper examples like that. Some of us here are serving people in the community that have been battered, have been shattered by life. And those types of jobs can destroy you mentally, emotionally, physically, if you're not careful. I hope and pray that those in the health field can pay attention to this message, especially. Because the amount of, the rate at which they are resigning because of burnout is alarming. According to many people, the healthcare sector is crumbling, to say the least. I mean, during, during COVID, they, they, were, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were, they were just, just going through all kinds of stress. How to work productively with the traumatized. King David was an example of someone that served under a traumatized man, and his name was Saul. You're looking at a king that you expect protection from, yet all that came was death. You're working with a king that you expected to protect your image, 
Yet all he did was drag it in the mud and destroy it even further. One of the marks of a traumatized person is confusion of behavior. One day they behave this way, another day they behave in a completely different way. They are unpredictable. Not because they are wicked, but because of the trauma they have been through. And that is the best they can give you. A traumatized person's main focus is pain avoidance. You understand this and, 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 and it will be relatively easy in addition to everything else we share for you and I to be able to work with any of such people in our vicinity. What does pain avoidance mean? The decision making is based on which route can they go that will not lead to pain. Another way to put it is threat avoidance is their focus, not principles most of the time. What can I do that will limit the threat that I am already seeing? What can I do? So they can lie. They can steal. They can gossip. They can do anything just to get themselves out of a threat environment. Let's look at the example of Saul. Saul displayed that erratic nature that you can expect to find in a traumatic person. 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 21. So David came to Saul and stood before him. And he loved him greatly. He loved David. And he became his armor bearer. A.K.A. he hired him. David came before Saul in an interview. And out of all the candidates, Saul hired David. He loved him greatly. And gave him a position called my armor bearer. You'll be surprised to see that the same Saul began to hunt after David. Like a prey. The same Saul began to scheme how to destroy this same David that he took himself. And, and watch this. Saul could have easily sent David back home and said, I don't want you again. But he did not. One day he loved David. Another day he hated him. Another day he loved him. Another day he hated him. That is a mark of a traumatized person. They will not break up with you, yet they will not love you the way they could love you. I don't want you. Okay, I'm going. No, don't go. Okay, I'm staying. I don't want you. Okay, go. Oh, don't go. And, and you're wondering, who am I exactly dealing with? Then Saul sent to Jesse saying, please let David stand before me. He has found favor in my sight. That was Saul. You might say, Pastor, Pastor, but remember, this, there was a reason why Saul began to hate David. Just because of the song? No, it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. First Samuel chapter 18, two chapters after, and many years later, First Samuel 18, verse 2, 
Saul took him that day and would not let him go to his father's house anymore. He took him. In the same chapter, verse 10 to 11, and it happened on the next day that a distressing spirit from the Lord, God does not send distressing spirits to people. When the Holy Ghost withdraws, what comes upon a person is a distressing spirit. God does not send demons. When the Holy Spirit withdraws from a place, only demons can go. That's the, another name for a distressing spirit can go in there. He came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. Prophesied here is not the same prophesying we do here. This kind of prophesying was that he, 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 he became like a madman. They are just trying to, to elevate Saul by saying he prophesied. Because a distressing spirit would not make you to be giving prophecies in a dignifying manner. To validate what I'm saying, there was a time when he went to be with Samuel, to go and capture Samuel, to kill Samuel, when he was pursuing after David. And when he got there because of the anointing, he tore his clothes on the ground and began to prophesy. He was just saying gibberish things. And he prophesied. And then what happened? And so it was whenever the Spirit of God from God was upon Saul, that David, sorry, where am I now? Yes. So David played music as at other times. He played music as at other times. I'm still in 1 Samuel 18, verse 10 now. Played music, but there was a spear in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the spear. The spear could have been words. They will just suddenly look at you. You didn't have any issues with them. They just begin to abuse you. For some, the traumatized person is your parent. For some, it's a sibling. They are not necessarily wicked people. But they are, they are in pain. That's their cry for help. Some of those things will be done. And after it was done, they will just look and be like, why did I just do that? Why, why, did, why, why, why? But they might not be able to tell you out of shame. So David played music and there was a spear in his hand. And Saul cast a spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. Imagine the same man that was playing and you were enjoying it and you were getting healing. It is why when, when church members attack pastors, the pastor, I, I, I just look at them and just, they're just children. They're just in pain. Because how can you be casting a spear at the same person that is feeding you and caring for you? When you need help, it's the same place that you go. That is the same thing Saul went through. And we see a lot of them at work. They gossip about you, yet they love you. They mean, they, they actually love you, but they're actually gossiping about you. <laughs> Duality of existence because of trauma. If you don't know that, you'll be going to work every day, happy, coming back home sad. 
If you don't know that, you'll be, you'll be wishing and wishing God take me somewhere else. Only to realize everywhere else is the same. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. The same people, traumatized people that, that need help from God. You can, you can hardly find whole people. I've been in places where they'll have meetings to decide people's future. And they'll talk about some people as if they're talking about goats and dogs. And they'll come out of the same meeting and see those people and smile genuinely towards them. I say, ah, who are these people? Duality of existence because of trauma. The same Saul pursued David. Pursued him. Now, when you get to 1 Samuel 24, you see something strange. 1 Samuel 24, verse 16. One of those times, Saul pursued after David. And then, and then he went to, he was in a stronghold and he slept. And David came and took part of his cloth. And this was what happened. So it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, that Saul said, is this your voice? My son David. And Saul lifted up his voice and wept real weeping. Not real wepting, real weeping. He really, really wept. It was genuine. He missed David. Yet, did he call off the campaign? No. Did he say, okay, now let's go back from today? Nobody kills David again. No, he still pursued him again. Ha, ah, is that you, my son? Then he said to David, you are more righteous than I. You are right. He was more righteous. For, for, for you have rewarded me with good. David could have killed him, but he didn't kill him. Whereas I have rewarded you with evil. They can come and tell you, hey, you know, I just want to let you know, I, actually, I, I did this against you. I did this against you. Now, the mistake you are making is you think now because they have said that they are now your friend. For some people, they would have gone back home with Saul at this point. He has changed. He doesn't beat people again. He has changed. He's good now. He's a good man. And then that same night, they'll receive another gift. And you have shown this day how you have dealt with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. That's what Saul said. That is chapter 24. 1 Samuel chapter 26. You know 26 is after 24. <laughs> I'm just confirming. Verse 1. First Samuel 26. The same Saul. Now the Zephites, just know they were a group of people, came to Saul at Gibeah saying, is David not hiding in the hill of Hakila? Opposite Jeshimon. Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men to go and greet David and welcome him back home and say, David, my son, remember I told you I missed you. I've come to greet you. No, to seek David, to kill him. The same man. One thing we have to first realize is when you're dealing with a person, quickly realize whether they are traumatized or not, for your own good. David, the first time saw 
true despair, he did not run away. He stayed. He kept serving him. The second time despair came, he said, ah, this man is unstable. This man is unstable. Give him space. Serve him from afar. So he ceased being his armor bearer. Until he kept serving, until he came to a point where his life was now in danger. Then he separated from him. Don't say you are a Christian and you stay there. And let them use your body as target practice. Oh, my, the Lord is my shepherd. Also, the Lord is your wisdom. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. That's the wrong scripture to quote. I shall not want. When you have legs, you can move and relocate, readjust, re-evaluate yourself. The Lord is your wisdom. And with the wisdom of the same Lord that is your shepherd, adjust your ways. Now, so a traumatized person is not stable. So quickly identify this person is traumatized. Quickly identify that. Then number two, the other points we'll find it from 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. There was a man there called Elijah. He went through emotional challenges. Thank you. He went through something. Hallelujah. He went through a challenge that made him disappointed in himself and wanted to die. That was Elijah. Imagine if Elijah was your boss. And that same day, he went through a very damaging situation. He still came to work. Imagine what you'd have expected from someone like Elijah the boss on that day. Let's read this story to remind ourselves. First Kings chapter 19, I'll read from verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Not all the good things he did, but all the things he did in terms of killing Jezebel's folks. And also how he had, there you go, executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, the moment he pictured, he meditated on his head being cut off. It is called visualization. <laughs> Jezebel sent a message and he took the seed of the word and just visualized his head. Hey, pa. No, 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 no. I like my head. So he began to run. And when he saw, he arose and ran for his life. And that was the beginning of a level of trauma in Elijah's life. Where you work and work and serve people and the same people come after you. I, and I'm sure Elijah was wondering, where was all the children of Israel? Where were they? 
the people whose faith I just restored, who just got revived, where, 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 how come they're allowing me to go through all these things alone? And he said, no, 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 these people are not worthy. In fact, I don't even want to be alive again. So he got up and he ran to the point where he forgot his servant in a place. He forgot he had a servant, left him there. Look at verse 4. This is trauma. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, not to pray, not to meditate, not to intercede, not to read the word. And he sat under a broom tree. This is what, this is he sat, a broom tree, broom, that we use in Africa for sweeping things. <laughs> that was a tree he sat under. <laughs> Some of you here don't understand because you grew up with vacuum. <laughs> Under a broom tree. <laughs> and he prayed that he might die. And said, it is enough. It is enough. I'm tired. I'm tired. Now, Lord, take my life. For I am no better than my father's. This is trauma. And he lay there, still under the same broom tree. And slept. And an angel touched him. Now, this is step number two. Dealing with a traumatized person. Give them food to eat. What many of us do with them is we talk and talk and talk. And we actually receive food from them. But the angel came. The angel watched him and said, what does this man actually need? He's venting and talking, I want to die, 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 die. If he really wanted to die, shouldn't he have rejected this food? No, 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 no. Am I not speaking English? If, you see, when a person is traumatized, the things they say, most of it, they don't mean it. Most of what they say, they don't mean. They don't mean it. I hate this family. I don't, even, I don't know why I'm a part of this family. What they are saying is, I love this family so much. You're all breaking my heart. Why are you breaking? We need to have a, 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 an interpreter for them. I'm leaving this place never to come back. What they are saying is, I'm going on a walk. <laughs> Leave the door open. <laughs> I'll soon be back. I can't tell you when I'll be back, but I'll be back. <laughs> that is what they are trying to say. The angel looked at him and said, what you need is food. Arise and eat. I'm not arguing with you. Look at it. Look at it. Then he looked. What does that mean? It means the angel left the food and left. And there by his head, by his head, <laughs> by his head, so that his nose can smell the food. You, you know your nose is in your in your. <laughs> can smell, can see the food. It was a cake baked on coals. <sighs> Have you seen a person that is so sad that they cannot eat cake? No, 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 no. Ah, I wish I was talking to people. <laughs> Have you seen someone that is so sad that you bring them cake? Um, 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 carrots, um, help me. Sorry? Red velvet. Now, now I'm, not, I'm not encouraging um, unhealthy eating. I'm just, I'm preaching the word. Because Jesus, God could have brought fish and bread. 
Because Jesus likes to do miracles with healthy meals. But he brought cake. <laughs> ah, that when you would taste it, you say, no, life is good. LG, life is good. Life is good. I, I, life is good. I need to, what? Die who? I'm not dying. So there's cake like this. <laughs> what do they need? What do they like? That's what you give to them. Don't talk too much. Don't argue with them. Don't get hung up on those words they are saying. Now, I don't believe this all the time, but this was a joke I heard. Again, I don't believe it all the time. <laughs> Someone said they went to marriage counseling and the woman said to the marriage counselor, counselor, in my whole marriage, I've never been happy. Not one day. Not one day at all. Never be married. And the man quickly interjected, the husband. I said, wife? Not one day? So those days we went on vacation that you were laughing, you were not happy. That day we, I gave you a gift, you were not happy. I said, no, no, that's not what I mean. No, you said, all, all through the marriage. And the counselor said, sir, what she's trying to say is, today she is not happy. <laughs> Forget all the every from the beginning to the end. She's not Alpha and Omega. What she's saying is today, <laughs> she's not happy. <laughs> the angel saw Elijah and said, what you are trying to say is you are hungry and you are tired. You don't feel fulfilled in ministry. There's nobody to give you cake. So now I have come bearing gifts. There are some people that vent and vent. Just take them shopping if you can afford it. And pray before you go. So you get the testimony we got earlier. <laughs> and while they are crying, they are going around. And this one too. <laughs> and at the end of the shopping expedition, <laughs> ask them again, Did you, what, what were you saying earlier? Were you saying that you wanted to go and say, no, 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 no. Who said that? I didn't say that. <laughs> Cake baked on coals. And a jar of water. If they had sweet drinks in those days, the angel would have given them. But all he had was a jar of water. <laughs> if they had non-alcoholic wine, the angel might have brought it just to spice Elijah's life up. Add some spice to his palate. So when you are around someone that is traumatized, what they need is, in essence, is love. But don't go inside the lion's cage in order to feed the lion. Otherwise, you might not live to tell the story. You pass the food and then you leave. Come back when they finish eating. Because the words that they are firing might make you the traumatized person after they have been healed. Because now that they are good, all you are remembering is that person saying, I've never been happy all my life. I've never, never. So every time you see them, they're happy, but you're just remembering, I've never, I've never. And you find yourself withdrawing and withdrawing. And if you're not careful, you might be the one needing help later. 
So that is step number one. Give them food to eat. Whatever would feed their soul. Genuinely, that's what you give them. If you can afford it. Number two. Now, don't think the moment you give them cake, everything is back to normal. That's why there's number two. Verse seven, please. <laughs> and the angel of the Lord came back a second time. They came back. The angel, after the hot coal, cake on coal, came back a second time. Again, what did he do? Arise, eat again. Eat. So the angel spoiled him with food. He came again, which means the angel did not stay there and watch him while he was eating. Because the angel might not have, might have lost his angelic capacity. <laughs> Just from what you would have been seeing Elijah do. The way you see him messing around with the food. He just say, you know what, I'm not angeling anything. <laughs> I'm just going back to become normal. So he left the food there and he went and came back to look at him and brought food to him again. Arise and eat. He didn't tell us what he gave him, but we can assume it was cake again, baked on coals, and a jar of water. The Bible is not wasting space to repeat the same thing. <laughs> If you don't know what to give, read verse 6. Came again, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. What journey? We're going to find out. You see, there is the onset of trauma. Then there is where trauma has matured. Then there's a point where trauma now begins to decelerate and they are being de-traumatized. So a point where now they are now getting healed. Elijah just started on his journey. So he said, the journey is very great. I pray that God will give us understanding. One of the quickest ways to become drained is to stay with a traumatized person, unprotected. You think you're helping them? We're actually not helping them. You're also not helping yourself. Because when they come back and they need you again, you don't have the strength to help them because you've been weakened. If you call it tough love, that the angel gave him food and left, then that's what you understand it by. There's tough love, but it's just love. I'm not going to be on the phone with you for one hour listening to all the deadly, toxic things that are being shared. No. Eat. Take this message. Go and eat it. I'll come back after you've watched the message. And I come back to you again. Say like that. Take another message. Arise. Watch and eat. And I'll come back and see you again later. Now let's go to verse 10. Verse 9 now. And there he went into a cave. And spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? The angel did what it could do. And then transitioned Elijah to a higher power. 
if you are in a relationship, except you have super grace by God, don't be the one dealing with your partner when they are traumatized. If you want your relationship to last, don't be the person. Just like the advice, you don't want to be the one teaching your partner how to drive. Because <laughs> when they learn how to drive, you might not be their partner anymore. In the same way, if you can, don't be the one. You are so wise, you're so gifted, you can advise her, you are, you are an awesome counselor. But there's a grace because... If you assume a particular position, you might be jeopardizing the health of your relationship at the same time as you're helping the person. There's the job of a doctor when a woman is giving birth. Pardon me. There's what a doctor will see and experience. But a doctor can see and experience that. Because she's not going back home to the doctor. I hope not. <laughs> Praise God. So the experience will stay with the doctor. While she goes back home with her husband, to her husband, or with the husband, in a different way. The angel passed Elijah over to a higher power. There is a voice. Do you notice that the angel did not engage in back and forth with Elijah? There is a higher power that has the ability, a higher authority that has the ability to speak to that traumatized person that they will listen and speak back. So God showed up, Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? Verse 10, so he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God. This is the, where his trauma came from. When they are traumatized, they can repeat the same story over and over and over and over and over again. If you encounter someone that has lost a loved one, every time you talk to them, while they are still in that zone, they can repeat the same stories. It's almost as if they are in a loop. They don't know they've told you the same thing, the same way, the same time. They can repeat the same thing over and over again. I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets. The first sentence, I've been zealous, means I have sacrificed a lot for these people. I have, I have broken my back for these people. I've been zealous. We never heard anything about Elijah having a wife. That's sacrifice. I have put my life on the line for these people. And they, they killed, they did all these things. I am I'm the only one remaining and they want to kill me. What kind of people are this? He was offended. Then God gave him an assignment. You see that even God did not stay to continue to hear all these stories. 
Then what did God tell him? Go out. Stand on the mountain before the Lord. I'll meet you there. He set an appointment with him. Please watch this. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Before the Lord means I want to have a meeting with you. Let's book an appointment for a future date. So you have enough time to reflect. Please watch this. Deep things are simple things. Many of us feel we love these people so much that you want to breathe for them. You want to eat for them. You want to see for them. You want to do everything for them because you, 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 and that's the same thing when a person is caring for someone who is terminally ill, perhaps, or having issues. You want to do all those things for them out of love. And then God began to do Titan arts. Strong wind, breaking rocks, all those things. Why, why was God doing all those things? After this, I never saw God doing something like this just to talk. Strong wind passed by, tore the mountains, broke the rock into pieces. Just picture, picture you being there as Elijah. And everything noise, rocks breaking, and he had to block his face so the rocks will not come and hit him. What is going on here? And then there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in, he was playing hide and seek with him. First, the angel gave him food. Second, God began to, what was he doing? Bringing about his, his will to live and excitement again. One of the things that happens when people are traumatized is they become very, very, very passive. They become nonchalant. I don't care. But God began to shake things. Moving things. Shaking it. And, and to get Elijah's heart. Come back to life. Come back to life. What's that thing that they do in those shows? You put it on. And, and <laughs> I'm trying to. Defibrillator. Amen. That's a very long one. <laughs> and all that. And then. And it's so dramatic. So, so God was playing that game with Elijah. After the earthquake, a fire. Fire again. What's happening? But God was not in the fire. Was it just a little fire from like a. a, 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 a no, it was a fire. And no fire. And then after that, a still small voice. Can you imagine Elijah's heart beginning to pump again and excitement coming up in his heart again? What does this mean? It can mean so many things. But whatever you can do to get them excited about life, you can do to get them excited about life. Then before the still, small voice now came. Now, go to verse 13 now. A voice came again. Same question as before. 
What are you doing here? Look at verse 14. Like I said earlier, people that are traumatized, they repeat the same thing. If you look at what he said earlier, the same thing from verse 10, word for word. For what? And he said, like I said before, I have been zealous for the Lord God of hosts because of your children. The same thing he repeated back to God again. Then look at what God did as we round up. Then the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, Lord, wait, wait, wait. You are not understanding what I'm saying. I'm saying I want to die. <laughs> I'm saying, kill me, kill me. But yet God just ignored what he said. Um, then the Lord said to him, go return on your way. Who told you I'm returning? Go return on your way to the wilderness. I am resigning today. I'm done. So when you get back to your seats, the next project, <laughs> that's simply what God was saying. I'm ending this relationship. You never listen to me. Now let's begin to plan our next vacation. <laughs> Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. Oh my goodness, what's going on? Looks like I'm still a kingmaker. I'm still anointing kings. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of, of Abel, Melola, as you shall anoint as prophets in your place. Then, whoever escapes Hazel, Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Verse 18. Now, he now answered his question. Yet, by the way, is yet. By the way, by the way, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to bow, and every mouth that has not kissed him. By the way. So what did he do? Ah, he departed. The same man that said it is finished, he departed. Look at how God de reconstructed a traumatized person and set him back on the field. How do I deal with people like this? Number one, I don't take what they say seriously. Because they don't mean most of the things that they say. They don't mean most of the things that they say. It is pain speaking. It is fear speaking. It is trauma speaking. Deep down, they just want to be loved. Deep down, they are just trying to tell you, I'm in pain. Please help me. That's all they are saying deep down. And like I said earlier, I look for what interests them. And if it's within my ability, I supply that to them. If you don't do these things, you begin to hate the traumatized person. 
and you begin to add to the trauma they are going through instead of helping them. You can be serving them, but you're serving them in a passive, aggressive way because now you are resenting them. I don't expose myself to allow them to pour negativity. I am I create an opportunity for them to pour to me, but I don't receive it for myself. Now, you have to understand this because I have to love my neighbor as I love myself. I can say, send me an email, but I don't plan to read it. Because all they need is an outlet to pour. And scan, scan, okay, this is venting, 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 scan, once I see the first word, and go to where there's something that is of value that can be used. If you listen to every voice note where they said all those angry things, you might not survive. Again, remember, these are good people, but they are just in pain. And like we saw from scripture, like we read earlier, provide excitement to them as much as you can. The angel gave Elijah cake to eat. You can argue, pastor, is that really cake? What did it mean? Go and look for the ingredients. All we know is the Bible says cake baked on coal. Not, not your regular coal. It, it tastes better. Like the food we ate at the picnic or they ate at the picnic yesterday. It tastes better. And then, give them an assignment. Something to look forward to in the future. And if you do these things properly, you help them as you are also protecting yourself. So that when they come back normal, you are also still normal. And all you have is not, are not, it's not the things they said when they were in that painful situation. If you're here now and you have already messed up any of these things, what can you do? Number one, forgive those people. Because the words they said are still most likely going through your mind. Forgive them. Forgive them. If you didn't take this approach, forgive them. Forgive them. I want to make something clear that I'm not sure if I clearly stated. Give traumatized people space. Don't be in there. Don't be the air they are, that they are breathing. Don't be the movie they are watching. Give them space. Elijah was left in the cave. The angel was not there. He slept there alone at night. If that person is your spouse, that's not the time for cuddling. The main thing, if that is your spouse. <laughs> uh -huh, you're realizing now. If that is your spouse, that is not the time for cuddling. Give them space. Elijah slept alone in the cave. Give them space. Because in the middle of the night, out of anger, they can be punching you. 
and they will claim that they were, they were dreaming. <laughs> Give them space. And when they are ready, they will come back themselves. But let them know that the doors are opened. Think about it. What do you think made the prodigal son to wake up one day and say, I need what belongs to me? Most likely, there was a problem between him and his brother. Most likely. When you look at the nature of that older brother, you can tell that this brother is not someone you want to live with. But what did the father do? He made sure the boy knew the, the, the doors were open. You can always come back home if there's any problem. But I'm not pursuing after you. Ah, but pastor, what if ah, anything bad happens to them? What You know, who are they texting? I don't know. Who are they? Who is she or he calling? Ah, you know, what, what, what? relax, relax. If you have laid the right foundation, the child will be fine. The friend will be fine. The church member will be fine. In case if there's a pastor listening to me now. They'll be fine. Don't be a helicopter friend. Don't be a helicopter parent. Don't be a helicopter pastor. Whatever it is, don't. Give them space. Give them space to recover. Let them stay in the cave. Let them miss the friendship. Now, if they are suicidal, that's a different ballgame. Not only that, now Elijah was suicidal, but he did not have the plans for fulfilling it. If the angel gave him food and he didn't eat, the angel would have gone to report back to God. God, ah, he really wants to die. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's, let's adjust our strategy. Then God will not be asking him, where are you, where are you? God will just show up and <laughs> say, the chariots of Israel, let's take him now. <laughs> but, but they gave him food, he ate. So it means that he was not really suicidal. He was just talking. <laughs> and it's okay because sometimes people just want attention. You're too busy, so they want your attention. I'm tired of life. Ah, you're tired of life. Hey, let's put them in a box. No, sometimes all they're trying, they're just tired of life. <laughs> Amen. Give them space. But if they are suicidal and they have the means to carry it out and the will, that's a different book. Don't give them space. That's where you mark them closely until they come out of that daze that they are in. I once had the opportunity to counsel someone. It was a phone call. The individual was suicidal. A member of this church was there. The person does not, did not attend the church at that time. So this member called me, Pastor Mano, there's an issue, da, 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 da. please speak to the person. So I got on the phone and began to have a conversation. At some point, I was talking to a demon that manifested through the individual. At some point, I was talking to the individual. So I was practically just convincing that person why they should stay alive. And the person said something that made me know this was very serious. Because that individual had a baby, a little baby. He said they just wanted this church member to live with the baby so they could kill themselves. 
So I said, okay, this one is really, really real. So church member, make sure you're, you don't go. Leave the baby there. So long as that baby is there, that person knows that they cannot take their own life. So we need to be sensitive enough. There are some people that have advanced to that state where they are actually wanting to do that. So we need to be careful. If you love them, you escalate things as quickly as possible. Now, we've just shared some things. Again, time is not always enough. This is not everything we can do. But I'm trusting that this is the beginning of a conversation. In the second service, we spoke about the body of Christ. One of the main things that makes people leave church is because of traumatized people. You smile at them, they don't smile back. A little challenge, they react in a very erratic way. And you're wondering, what is wrong with you? And some people say, good riddance, to bad rubbish, and then they leave. But they don't understand that a hospital is filled with sick people. So there are many of those people around us. If you know the person sitting next to you's story, maybe you extend them more grace. I met someone the other day, and I heard the individual story. I said, oh my goodness. You went through this? All of all this? But if you saw the person, you would never know except God opens your eyes. Locked up, was not giving food, had to run away from home at a young age, taken in by a total stranger. So practically, the person had to raise themselves. Yet, the person's parents are still alive. All kinds of experiences. Don't, 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 don't be deceived by the dressing. We all have to look good. Don't, don't be deceived by that. People's stories are way deeper than you can imagine. Please extend grace to people in the body of Christ. Extend grace to people. They don't have to tell you their story. You're not their pastor. They don't have to tell you. But extend grace to people. You greet someone, they don't greet you back. They just storm in, in anger. Extend grace. You don't know their story. Imagine greeting Elijah on his way to the, to the, to the mountain. He won't answer you. Maybe you even throw a, throw a stone at you and say you are part of them. <laughs> just leave me alone. What do you do? Leave him alone. Thank you for taking the time to listen and receive the fresh word of God. Before you leave, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not born again, I, Pastor Ibukun Adewusi, would love to pray with you. If you're ready to give your life to Christ right now, please say this prayer after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you are the Son of God and I believe you died for me on the cross of Calvary. I know I am a sinner and today, I come to you to forgive me of all my sins and to make me a brand new creation. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. 
Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me and making me born again. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Congratulations, you are now born again. Please reach out to us on cccghq.org save and fill out the form completely so that we can send you wonderful materials to help you grow on your new walk with Christ. Congratulations once again. We love you and God bless you.